At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This it's Reception, Reception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception, Perception, the show. All right, Matt, it was the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. How did you do, pal? Good, bad, where are we at? I uh, did all right. I got uh, laported by J.J. Oh, no. Zacharyson in a dynasty league. And uh, <laughs> it was, it, honestly, it was a, it was a, um, a weekend for me of the things that Christian McCaffrey can and cannot overcome. Uh, because I, I have a lot of Christian McCaffrey this year. I was lucky oh, enough to, to find my way into a lot of Christian where, where McCaffrey. Where did you take year. him? Top three? Where like yeah, top I two? Took, where are we going? So in one league, it's a super flex league. Uh I oh, okay. I, I think I must have taken That's a second him. Rounder. No, not a, not a second rounder. Definitely like a first. I'd lose my first round oh, pick. Uh, oh, okay. I think it was actually. I think I went him and Travis Kelsey. It was very. Uh, oh my god. Very contrarian. In a actually, super flex. Good yeah, that brings me to my point that, that this weekend uh, yeah. I was going against uh, Ian Harditz in this particular league I'm talking about here uh-huh. too, um, and I had to start Zach Wilson as my only quarterback. No. No, and I was like, well, I'm screwed. This is over. I'm losing this because no. I had CJ. I had, I mean, dude, I, not only did I not draft a quarterback high, you know, okay. I had Danny yeah, yeah. Dimes. I had Kirk oh, Cousins. Just, oh, God. And eventually landed on CJ Stroud <laughs> as like my one. But I'm only starting one quarterback in this league. I mean, yeah. consistently only starting CJ Stroud. And now he's out this week. So oh, I picked God. up like. You know, Bailey Zappi and uh, a couple weeks ago, I picked up uh, Zach Wilson a couple weeks ago when he was going to get back into the mix. Damn. And then I, I think I also picked Dang. up like Case Keenum and, and all these randos. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm not going to start a second quarterback in the flex. I'm just going to start Zach Wilson. He's the one I picked. And he had negative no. points. I was like, well, I'm screwed. I'm done. I'm, I'm finished. But McCaffrey, you know, ends up going off oh, and I was able man. to uh, able to outlast that. But not in the Dynasty League where I mentioned and, and that I got Laporta. He, uh, JJ Zacharyson had um, <laughs> Jaden Reed. So, you know, if I oh went down goodness. at the hands of Jaden Reed, I was all right taking the There loss. you go. 
Out of baby. Not bad. Uh, I know there was a lot of teeth gnashing in the fantasy streets this week because there was a lot of randos that put up big numbers and a bunch of stars that didn't do jack squat, baby. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You talk about that whole Jets experience. Uh, wow, what an absolute disaster uh, that was. Uh, we're going to get to that game, as a matter of fact. We're going to talk about Jalen Waddell in today's show. We're also going to be talking about what's going on there in Washington. Very interesting things happening there in Washington. Sam Howell, Jake Brisket as the guy from the ATN podcast, we call him, but uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, and Terry McLaurin. We're going to be talking about those folks. Chris Godwin, interesting note. Well, we won't spend too much time on Chris Godwin in particular. Maybe talk about the Bucs a little bit because they're in position to win the NFC South, but uh, interesting note that I found on Chris Godwin, but... I think when we start talking about the fantasy streets, my God, Matt, everyone, it's not, it's not just the fantasy streets. It's the NFL streets. Uh, everyone's talking about Atlanta right now. The hashtag fire Arthur Smith was trending immediately. I mean, immediately after the game, hashtag fire Arthur Smith uh, was trending. Uh, uh, this was, I mean, come on, bro. This was an absolute disaster loss here uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. They lose 9-7. to seven. They fall to 6-8 and eight on the year. Panthers in total disarray in a bad weather game. They win their second game of the year. They don't score a single damn touchdown. And they win this game, Matt. I mean, what an absolute dumpster fire we got there in Atlanta and this comes on the heels of a, a, a of an Atlanta Falcons team Matt that last week actually looked decent offensively I don't know what what did you take away from this game yeah obviously I mean it's a master class by Arthur Smith to <laughs> you know build up the 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 oh, Bijan Robinson after the bye he's really right. getting like workhorse level level volume Drake London is coming right. off of his best game of the season and then <laughs> Week one of the fantasy football playoffs, baby. Oh, Arthur Smith strikes back at the fantasy nerds. No, look, honestly, I don't want to come on this show and, and be, you know, a couple of fantasy knuckleheads just whining right. about, like, of course. you know, guys that we wanted to get the ball. You know, that that's not really what we're doing here. Because, honestly, what yesterday represented to me for the Falcons was it's it's it was put in, in clear sign, like, highlight that, that – this season has been a failure for this team. Like mm -hmm. to lose to the Panthers is pathetic. To lose <laughs> to the Panthers scoring seven points is ultra points. pathetic. Seven and points. Oh my god. Again, look, we can we can bring up the stats for for the, the main players from this offense. I mean the guys that we want. And and Again, this is not even really a fantasy football discussion, but Bijan Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts combined for 13 touches, 75 yards from scrimmage. Honestly, I, I, I don't even really want to put Kyle Pitts in this, in this group at this True. point anymore. Right. Because, right. Exactly. Right. Like, it, because he's been, I, I clearly think he is not healthy and he may just never ever get back to the, the player that he was prior to the knee injury that he suffered last year. He just made, and he might, might not have ever was going to end up being as good as, as we thought right. he was going to be, yeah, right? Sure. That, that's perfectly possible. But like, you can't watch Drake London play and tell me that that dude is not a stud, right? Like we talked about him on the show last exactly. week. He's, he's awesome. He should be what your offense rotates around. He should be. Well, him uh, and Bijan. Him and Bijan should be your sun and your moon, right? right? Like these are this. It should be the whole force of your offense. Now, I I don't think Bijan has had a perfect season. I think I actually kind of feel like he's weirdly in his own head a little bit. Like there there are times I think when he hesitates. There's times where I think he doesn't um, fully just play with a ton of confidence. And maybe it's because he knows he's in this weird rotation. And maybe it's because he knows if he fumbles, like a guy that doesn't even have like a weird fumble, like fumbled like three times all year and you're pulling him and putting him down because he's fumbled. Like, what are we doing here? This is like high school stuff. So I really don't want to hamper the fantasy football point because again, this is bigger than fantasy football. This is a, this team, the, the team build under Arthur Smith has failed. Right. This is this has been a failure of a team building job because these are all guys that the offense has or that the organization has spent significant resources to acquire. Yeah, these top ten guys, picks, top ten picks uh, in in three straight seasons, and I, like they trusted Desmond Ritter to be the quarterback of this team. Basically had him unchallenged. I mean, not even just basically they had him unchallenged this this offseason, which was a critical mistake. And James like. What do you think that what do you think the Falcons rank in terms of rushing success rate this season? What do you think? Uh, 
Um, honestly, I, I would actually assume actually kind of high. Uh, Arthur Smith, if he's known for anything, it's designing a pretty good run game. I don't know. I, I'd probably put him in like, you know, the top top 13 or 12 even. 27th. Oh, my they're God. They're at 27th in rushing success rate this season. <laughs> the, the thing that they're that's, supposed that's to be, right. the, the, even if even if we sat here, and I know that we we definitely said this on the show. I mean, I've got bogus predictions about Drake London, like, getting 12,000 yards, you know, bold prediction stuff out yeah, there yeah, on yeah. the internet. Even if we thought that, even if we didn't think that that was going to happen, there was going to be no progression from a pass game standpoint, we all at least thought they'd be a dominant run team. Mm-hmm. They're not even that. So this offense has not even just not taken a step forward. It's regressed in year three of Arthur Smith. I don't know if like he should be fired or, or, you know, it's, it's time to, to totally start all over because this has been a, um, I think a tough, you know, situation here with trying to get out of cap hell and moving on from Matt Ryan and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it's been a tough spot for, for this coaching staff and this front office group, this whole regime. But there's just we're we're into year three now, and year three of this group is going to end up being a wasted season. So for me, you talk about it's not a good team build. I actually disagree. I I would respectfully disagree, and I think it's actually a great team build. And what we've got here is an absolute misallocation of uh, of of management of the of the assets provided. You know, they, they spent top 10 picks on, on offense. And again, getting away from the fantasy thing, let's just use our, our, our normal brains on this, like regular old football brains. You've got top 10 picks across the board um, in real life NFL, you know, assets here. All right. And you're not getting them the football. I mean, forget about who you've got there. They spent a third round pick on a quarterback. First of all, that's not like embarrassing. OK, that's not like a, uh, a free agent off the street. OK, this is not like Tommy DeVito off the street. You know what I'm saying? They spent a third round pick on a guy. <laughs> they wish they had Tommy Cutlass. Come on, right? But no, I mean, listen, they spent a third round pick on a player from, you know, from Cincinnati. It's not like this guy's just, a, again, some, some rando that we've never heard of, right? So, again, I think it's just Arthur Smith. He hasn't coached anybody up. He's supposed to be the offensive guy, and their offense stinks, right? As a matter of fact, their defense is vastly outperformed, I think, their talent level. Right. Uh, and, and and again, they lose this game. They don't even give up a touchdown, not a one. That's insane. It's tough to do. This is the third game of the season where this Atlanta offense has scored seven or fewer points. Seven or fewer points with three top ten picks on offense, brother. Like, it should not be this way. And then I love the fact that, again, on November 20th, Arthur Smith goes out and says Desmond Ritter is going to be the starter. For the rest of the season, we're not even a month out from that. Less than a month later, they're already talking about reinstalling Taylor Heineke to get another look as the starter for week 16. Brother, the problem is not Desmond Ritter. Look in the mirror, Arthur Smith. The problem is not Desmond Ritter. The problem is you, Arthur Smith. You're the problem. Come on, man. Like, what is going on? Three targets for Drake London uh, uh, in a game, Matt, where where Desmond Ritter only throws 20 pass attempts. That's a 15% target share. That's not enough. You don't have any other weapons in the passing game. You want to throw it to, to Bijan Robinson? Great. Let's make that happen. But they combined for six targets. Make that make sense to me when you look at this roster. Who else are they going to throw to? It don't make no sense. Yeah, that that's the crazy part of this too. Is that actually, if you really look at like the resources, like resources spent to acquire Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London, versus like the group that they have acquired at tight end two to three. You know, they traded a seventh round pick or like wasn't it a pick swap to get Johnu Smith, mm-hmm. who was on a big fat contract, but you know, a guy who played with Arthur Smith before, right. and obviously they they did draw up a nice big play for for Johnu Smith, so. Mission accomplished there. <laughs> um, you know, they don't have any big names at the tight end position beyond John U. Smith. At wide receiver, like nothing. They signed Mac nothing. Hollins, Scotty Miller, like Kaderil Hodge. I mean, they don't even have like an they should they traded for Van Jefferson at the trade right. deadline. It's zero Which, catches. Why? In this game. I mean, like, why trade for Van Jefferson? I mean, why even do it? It's 
so crazy. God, if you're like Van Jefferson, you're, you're like, you know what? I'm not really getting the ball here in L.A. because Puka Nakua <laughs> yeah, has yeah, emerged yeah. and Cooper Cup is coming right. back. So, you know, I, I think it would be best if, if we if we just parted ways here and you traded me somewhere where maybe I can I could put up a couple mm-hmm. of games before I head into free agency. And he's like, ah, shit. Gotta go to Atlanta. The, the <laughs> Gotta go to Atlanta. Oh, oh, man, I'm never getting, I'm never getting oh, the ball. God. So it, it's funny because they, they, they do have – this is the thing that's tough with the Arthur Smith stuff is like I really do think that there are some good parts of this offense. And sometimes when they dial up plays for a Jonu Smith, those plays work really right. well. But the problem is I think that they have overemphasized some of this like galaxy brain part of the offense. Like, oh, the creative ways that we can get this guy the ball. When it's like, yo, let's just drop back and get the ball to Drake London right. on a dig route. Like. Five times. You know what? I, I think that you know what it is, Matt. What you're describing is that there's no meat and potatoes in this offense, right? right? It's agree, like yeah. it's like Arthur Smith is like this fine dining chef, and he's focused on like the random like you know artichoke foam that he's going to put on top <laughs> of his dish, right? Like, okay, you've made a great artichoke foam. Good for you, all right? No, Ain't nobody coming to your restaurant to go eat this damn artichoke foam, okay? Where is the meat and potatoes of this damn disgusting. offense? It don't, there, there is nothing. There's no meat and potatoes in this offense. That's the problem. That's what you're describing. Where's the dig route for Drake London five to s- seven times a game? Where is the, you know, again, drawn up plays for Bijan Robinson, getting him in space? I mean, the thing with him in space, it's like we've already seen you give this man, you know, a little bit of space, he's going to make defenders miss. But no, he's drawing up those plays for Tyler Algier, who's a bulky wide res- like running back. Like, it's maddening because everyone can see it. Like, let's play a little common sense football for a little bit. And then you can draw up some of those fancy plays uh, and make that happen. But we don't have that right now in Atlanta. Yeah, I think it's like almost always a universal bad sign when – a team drafts a running back and they immediately get obsessed with using him in ways that are not <laughs> right. uh-huh. just a running back, right? Um, you know, even like the Lions and Jameer Gibbs, it was like, oh, imagine all the creative ways that they might use Jameer Gibbs. You look at his receiving line this year, it's like, yeah, there's some big receiving games, but you know where he's made his just biggest run the impact? Ball. Just run that damn ball. Running. Right. Like, and I, I kind of feel like a lot of that is the same way. I mean, sure, you do want to get Bijan out in space. You want to use him as a receiver. Um, totally. That's fine. But like, you also want to give Correct. him 15 to 16 to 17 carries Correct. in a game just to get him in a rhythm. And, and I don't think there's been any of that. This running game has clearly lacked rhythm all year. That's why they're 27th in rushing success rate. And the offensive line, by the way, another unit that they've invested in, right? Like they have veterans uh-huh. back on big contracts. Uh, you know, Chris Lindstrom, who, who did miss this game against the Panthers, you know, um, Jake Matthews on a big contract. Um, like they have guys that they've invested in and that unit has regressed this year. That's another problem to put, I think, on the head coach and what's going on here. So, I think the meat and potatoes way to say it is is a really good one here because, and and I disagree with you saying that like Desmond <laughs> is not the problem. Okay. Desmond is right, definitely the problem, but like that's on you too because this is three. This is year three of your regime, and Desmond Ritter was a third round pick. Yeah, it's not Tommy DeVito off the street, but it's also not like a first round guy that you know you you should you've seen a lot from and you believed enough to take in the first round. No, this is a guy that was taken to the third round. You know, he was a guy that was a flawed prospect. Also, what's kind of funny, too, it's not as if Desmond Ritter is sort of a, you know, let's paint inside the numbers and keep the train on the track type of game manager, which is probably what a a conservative offense like this might want. He's, like, kind of aggressive, and he has bad ball placement, and he makes wonky decisions. Like, he's maybe just a pure developmental prospect for a team that was Probably ready mm-hmm. more so to win right now. Although they're also very young. I don't know. They're just, so, they're so weird. I can't get my head around like what the plan should be for the Falcons, what the plan was this year. I do think the plan was to compete. And I think it was a pretty, the way they yeah. planned to do uh, it was. Pretty yeah. Fun. You talk about, uh, again, just distribution of, of opportunities here. Algier and Cordero Patterson, 23 opportunities. We're talking carries and targets. Bijan, just 10. Right. So more than double the opportunities for Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. 
uh, compared to Bijan Robinson. That really just does not make a lot of sense. I want to go back, though, and talk about Drake London here very quickly. Uh, again, three targets for Drake London, three targets out of 20 pass attempts. Again, 15% target share. Um, we go back to the meat and potatoes aspect of this passing game, Matt. Um, I want you to put your OC hat on for a second, okay? You're the, you're the passing game coordinator here for the Atlanta Falcons. What are you drawing up? for Drake London. Where does this guy win? Okay. Cause I think a lot of people have, um, they kind of recognize the fact that Drake London's a good player. I know people are going to look at the counting stats and say, he's not a great player. I, I think you would probably disagree with that. Um, but where does this guy win and what makes him in your mind, uh, such a great player? Yeah. Look, we talked about Drake London last week and, um, I think it's worth reminding folks that as a rookie, you know, some of the barometers that he reached from a success rate versus man coverage and zone coverage perspective is really good like this is a guy that gets open despite being a bigger receiver i actually think you know we talk about like overcomplicating the offense focusing on the artichoke foam and all that stuff um which is a great analogy by you Although the thought <laughs> of artichoke foam is like kind of making me s- sick to my stomach there you go. And I'm a I'm a vegetable guy. I'm I'm all good on vegetables, but like, yo, come on, artichoke on <laughs> that is that is gross. Um, it actually makes me think about the Colts, who I feel like the Colts run ten plays. It's like the same RPOs <laughs> all the time. They have yeah. all these big crossing routes and stuff like that. I actually think like the way they've used uh, Michael Pittman this year would be great for Drake London, fellow USC receivers here. Hopefully, um, you know. Hopefully, Drake London's quarterback in this hypothetical scenario wouldn't have Gardner oh Minshew getting him killed like Michael yeah. Pittman had on Saturday. Um, have you seen Tom Brady? Like, been he's been out there talking about, like Devontae Casey, the, there's yeah. safety was suspended today, and Brady's like, you know, we got to stop punishing defensive players. For, I'm sorry, now I'm on a different tangent, but we got to stop punishing defensive players for this and like quarterbacks you got to not get your guys hurt i'm like you know brady you actually definitely did this at times in your career number one but number two he is right like i mean that is like just bad stuff from from gardner Minshew to lead michael Pittman into that hit like he has no choice but to get obliterated there um anyways but like that is a great usage plan i think for a, a guy like drake london because you look at his rookie year success rate chart 82.4% success rate on slants, 80% success rate on digs. And again, we just haven't seen enough of that this year in this Falcons offense. Like, get him working over the middle of the field because he's actually pretty pretty dangerous after the catch. He can break some tackles. I do think uh, you always, at the same time, want to get him, you know, go routes down the field. Like, in the Mike Evans mold, right? Like, just, yeah. just throw it up right. to him on these vertical routes on the outside. So some sort of mixture of what we see from Michael Pittman and what we see from Mike Evans, I think would be a good plan for Drake London. Okay, so obviously a disaster game there for Atlanta. Um, but man, I just, I don't, I don't know how Arthur Smith survives. Uh, not after that game. That game was, that game was rough. Uh, that was tough to see. All right. Um, you know, there's another quarterback there. We might see another quarterback change. Uh, this one in Washington, Sam Howell absolutely struggled against the Rams. Uh, I, I got to think, and and I haven't seen the reports, but th- it's got to be over for Sam Howell. No, I, I mean, Jacoby Brissett yeah, comes in. Rivera sounded like he was going to go right back. To I know, week, which is so. just, I ah, just help me make it make sense. Like Jacoby, first of all, you court Jacoby Brissett. So obviously you like Jacoby Brissett. It's not as if Jacoby Brissett was, was stuck to you, you know, or stuck on you, right? Like, you went out and recruited the guy, you know what I mean? So there's some level of trust there. There's some level of uh, you You must like Jacoby Brissett to have gone out in free agency and, and try to get him to, to Washington. Uh, but Brissett comes in. And, and really, again, we're a wide receiver show. I, you know, I want to focus in on Terry McLaurin here because McLaurin, I think, is, is just a, a great player wasting away in a bad situation. It's tough to see. Uh, Howell, Sam Howell to McLaurin in yesterday's game. Nine targets, three grabs, 48 yards, and an interception. Okay, not good. Jacoby Brissett comes in and immediately starts lighting it up with Terry McLaurin. Three targets, three grabs, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Um, beautiful ball placement on some of these deeper throws as well. Great anticipation uh, and really let McLaurin work, which I, I really uh, appreciated and liked. Unlike what, what what we saw with Sam Howell, 
Um, I don't know, man. What what do you think about this quarterback situation in, in Washington? I, and I know Terry McLaurin has been, you know, an RP favorite for for many many years. Uh, what do you think about the the quarterback and potential quarterback change? What would you like to see there in Washington? Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, look, I mean, those numbers say it all right there. And like, this wasn't a game that was out of hand either. Like, Washington could have won this game. By the way... What an atrocious series, uh, like in the end of that game where, you know, they're just letting time bleed off the clock Ugh. when, when they, they're at the one yard line. Yeah. Cause man. they throw, they throw McLaurin the go ball and like, I think it was originally called a touchdown, but it was clear he was exactly. short. Right. Um, and yeah, they take forever to finally get in the, uh, in Crazy. the end zone. And it's like, Crazy. again, when the clock, like when the, when the clock was running, that was when they were taking forever. And then when the clock was like stopped for some other place, then they're hurrying up to the line. I mean, it was just it, that game against the Madness. commander. That game against the Rams from the commanders was like everything that I've been complaining about with this offense all year. And like, shout out to all the people trying to gaslight all of you, all, you know, those people, you know who they are, like trying to gaslight you about Sam Howell's passing production as if that was anything <laughs> other than empty calories. I mean, all year long, all we had to hear gaslight. was like, like, Oh, well, why aren't the receivers producing uh, Sam Howell? Look at his fantasy stats. Like he leads the NFL in passing yards. People are not watching these games. And like, it just, it makes, it actually makes me upset. I know I shouldn't get this upset about it. <laughs> I, I know I shouldn't get this upset about it, but it is. And, and then, you know, cause then you get people that come back to me and are like, well, you're only trying to, you're, you're just not, you're making excuses for Terry McLaurin, for John Dotson, guy, Curtis yeah. Samuel, your guys. I'm like, no, 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 no. Watch these games. Like if you're really watching Sam Howe play, you can't tell me these are anything other than empty calories. Number one, just look at the record. They're not a good team. And I know they have no. problems on the defensive side of the football. I mean, Cooper Cup. Worst defense in football. Worst secondary in football by far. Okay, by yeah. far. I mean, Cooper Cup getting that wide open on that play was embarrassing. But there's yeah, been a lot of embarrassing stuff going on on this offense all year long. From the sacks, um, I don't think it's all Sam Howell's fault. Like, I don't think Sam Howell is terrible or anything. I just think they've put a lot on his plate, too. 
Um, for sure. You know, they, he throw, dropped back so much. He, he They don't really try to establish a true traditional run game. Like He's got to read out all this stuff with all these different wide receivers. Like I really think that Sam Howell, if he had just – and, and some of this is on, again, it's on him too. It's not, not just like an Eric Bienemy problem, but I do think Bienemy hasn't been a great offensive coordinator. Like, how is this series so disorganized at the goal line there? Again, it was just all such a microcosm of the issues that I think have haunted this team all season long. You know, and, and this was a big chance for Howell, right? Like to, to prove mm-hmm. he was a long-term starting quarterback. I think it was weird that Rivera is almost like trying to will it into existence, you know? Right. At one totally. point in this, in, like, it's so bizarre if you go back to last season when they never even really considered starting him until week 17 when they were out of it. And then they say he, they're so blown away by him in that game that we didn't realize he was this good. Like how, how, wow, how were we not playing him all year long? Which is a weird thing to say. And then like, I, you're right. They bring in Jacoby Brissett and it was really never a competition. Like this was always Sam Howell's job to lose. And then why would you bring in like a steady Eddie? guy like a Jacoby Brissett in that situation. I don't know. The whole thing seems very fraught. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that if I'm psychoanalyzing it, I think that Rivera probably thought to himself, the only way I can save my job with new ownership is if Sam Howe really does hit. And, and like, I, we do find a franchise quarterback out of nowhere, which he even said at one point mid season, like, what are you proud of here in Washington? He's like, well, I'm proud that we changed the culture, which is true. Give Rivera credit. Yeah. He yeah. Absolutely yeah. yeah. Did For change sure. The culture that oh my God. But, but then he also said, and that we found a franchise quarterback. Like, what? What? Like, just again, trying to will it into existence when I don't think anything ever proved it was there. I thought that Sam Howell, when we saw him last year, was a hell of a lot more of an intriguing prospect than, than you know, um, any of the other quarterbacks that they, that they try to pawn off on us. Because he's got a bigger arm and, and obviously, yeah, I, I mean, you know, look, look, he's got a bigger arm and certainly um, in that late season surge, you would think to yourself... Sam Howell at least has more interesting prospects, long-term prospects, uh, than Heineke, right? Uh, which I still think is true. But again, when the guy's struggling this hard, either just give him a break or do something to help him make make life a little easier for him. And I don't think Eric Bieniemy um, has done that for him. It just seems as if they have not changed their game. You know how in Cincinnati. They had a compromised quarterback, and they tried to run the same game plan out there for the first couple of weeks. Yep. It was a disaster, right? Then what they do, they changed it up dramatically, right? And they basically said, all right, we have a quarterback. He's got some limitations. Let's let's diagram some plays. Let's, let's call a game that, again, would better benefit our quarterback, right? I just don't feel like there's ever been a shift or a change in Washington, right? Sam Howell's had his limitations. You know, obviously their defense stinks and, and they're putting them in bad spots. They're always having to, 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 you know, have these long sustained drives. But at the same time, again, I, I know this sounds a little old school, but what about field position? You could you could pitch that field position battle a little bit, where the other uh, the other team's got to go a long distance as well. Uh, too many three and outs, too many short fields. The, the, again, the game planning and, and the game calling from an offensive perspective, it just hasn't made a lot of sense to me. No, it, it hasn't. And, and great example, looking back at that Week 18 game against the Cowboys that Sam Howell started. Yeah, last year he threw 19 passes. They win the game. They they run the ball. They get 17 carries for Jarrett Patterson and 14 carries for Jonathan Williams. Wow. Uh, again, 19 pass attempts, 10 targets between Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Beautiful. You look at the 2023 commanders, and Curtis Samuel was pretty banged up at that point, so it's like you know he wasn't super right. involved in the game plan. But you look at the 2023 commanders, and it's like just so many guys like – there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people with 20 plus targets on the season. Oh, That's golly. just so spread out. Byron Pringle's right there with 19. Jamison Crowder is right there with 18. <laughs> like they just have too many guys like popping Deami up. Deami Brown Sam, pops up way too often in these games. Way, too, way you know? too often. Um, like schemed up looks too. Like that's the crazy thing too. It's I like, know. They're right, scheming exactly. up stuff for, for these guys. Not just like, all right, well, Sam Howell's getting to his fourth read or something like that. No, he's not sitting back. You've seen Washington's offensive line. You've seen Sam Howell's sack numbers. He's not sitting there for, yeah. you know, uh, five seconds and getting to his fourth read, which is, right. you know, uh, Byron Pringle or Deami Brown or whatever. No, it's like, again, <laughs> schemed up looks right. for these guys. And he leads the NFL in pass attempts. Like, there's just 
that's like a cute thing, but it's not winning football, right? Like, and clearly it's not. And nope. it, it, I think we've gotten to a point now where his development is stalled out. I don't, I think Sam Howell sure. could be a, uh, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type or, or something like that, you know? Totally. Um, but it's just, I think they overloaded him. They put too much on his plate here. I think it really is a failure of, of, um, the coaching staff here as much as it is. I don't think Sam Howell was ever like secretly great this year. And I think week, uh, Oh, I think totally. this week 15 game was kind of proof concept of that. I mean, I just, at this point, just for my own eyeball's sake, can we just get Jacoby Brissett in there? If you want to run this offense where you're throwing it 50 times a game or whatever it is, and, and you know, it, look, it, it's you're right. Sam Howell's just overloaded right now, man. Like, he's still, by the way, he's such a yeah. young player, you know? I don't blame Sam Howell at all for this, you know? I mean, he, first of all, he's, it's not like he's a first-round draft pick or anything like that. There's no expectations. Right, there's no expectations at all. You know what I mean? Young player. He's. I. I just. The, as the season has gone along, you're you're tearing this guy's confidence down. You know, it's it's the exact opposite of developing a player. You're actually hurting the player. Yeah, getting him beat to know, a by pulp keeping him out too. Here. I mean, exactly. You know, I just. I'd love to see again. Just for if we're talking about develop developing Sam Howell, if you want to do that, fine, just give him a break, man. You know, like let's see Jacoby Brissett for the rest of the year, because again, we're, Washington's not going anywhere. They, they're not doing nothing. Let's just go ahead and, and start Jacoby Brissett. Um, that's what I would like to see, but I don't know if we're going to get there. Um, okay, it's a shame that in a year with all of these backup quarterbacks that we haven't seen Jacoby Brissett, right? Like, thank you. We've seen so, and cause right? he's perfect. He was good last year with the Browns. Like totally agree. no qualifier. Good. Um, he was like top 12 in EPA per dropback last year. And I mean, every competent veteran quarterback except Deshaun Watson's good in that offense. Like Jacoby Rousseau's <laughs> good in that offense. Joe Flacco is good in that offense. I mean, PJ Walker's not a competent backup quarterback. Like obviously yeah, yeah, DTR yeah, yeah. is a rookie and Deshaun right. Watson is Deshaun Watson. So like Jacoby Brissett was productive in that offense, uh, it, last year. I think we could have gotten a decent, little offense out of Washington this year with Jacoby Brissett. I understand they, they want to develop a young player, but like you said, I don't think they're doing him any disservice. Now. I think at this point though, like everybody knows Rivera's getting fired there. It's like a, yeah. an unspoken secret. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they obviously don't think enough of the enemy to make him the interim head coach. I don't think anything that's happened this year would make you, we got to make sure the enemy is not the guy before we let him out of the building. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. Nope. Um, they've lost five in a row now. They're slated to pick fourth in the draft uh, if if the draft was today. I think it's just like you might as well see what Sam Howell can do rest of season just because like if you end up picking fourth, you're going to be in that sort of – you're, you're going to end up being in that area where like do you take a quarterback there? Do you try to trade up a couple of spots? I don't think New England's going to be trading down. I don't think Carolina's going to be – or excuse me, Chicago's going to be trading down from there. So they're in a bit of a weird spot, and they might end up having to be like Sam Howell and another rookie next year. So I don't know. We'll see. It should be Jacoby Brissett and a rookie. That's really what it should be there in Washington. That's what I think would make the most sense to me. Uh, Let the rookie kind of sort of develop here. Um, in the background a little bit. That's like the old school way. I know I know everyone's so used to these young quarterbacks just stepping in day one and just trying to be the, the franchise savior. Not everyone can be C.J. Stroud, guys, okay? It just can't happen, dude. Um, anyways, uh, Jalen Waddell, explosion game there for Miami, taking on the New York football Jets. Um, in uh, basically no Tyreek for this Miami offense. And, and, and again, I thought that, um, you know, Mike McDaniel schemed up a good game plan here for Jalen Waddle because he knew uh, that Tyreek was not going to be there. But this was a surprise, honestly. And, and I know that there was no Tyreek, but even with no Tyreek, this game from Waddle was so impressive. Nine targets, eight, uh, eight grabs, so hyper-efficient, 142 and a touchdown. I bring this up because this is not the Washington aforementioned Washington commander secondary that Waddle is doing this against. This is against the New York Jets, who arguably had the best pass defense uh, in the NFL coming into this ball game. Let me just give you a couple stats here, a few stats here in regards to the New York Jets uh, defending outside wide receivers. For the last two months, we're talking the last eight weeks, Matt Harmon, they have allowed the fewest receptions, the fewest yards, the lowest completion rate, the lowest yards per target, um, and they had allowed zero, zero touchdowns to wide receivers lined up outside over the last eight weeks. Again, fewest yards, receptions, completion percentage, yards per target, fewest touchdowns. 
uh, in the NFL allowed to outside wide receivers. For Jalen Waddle to do this, I thought was incredibly impressive. I'm glad you put this topic on the rundown because I think we might have just, I don't even know if we had a full segment on it or if we, I mean, who knows? I don't even know what we're, what I'm doing at this point in the <laughs> yeah, brain. Going to week 16. Yeah. Okay. Week what's 16, going on? I, I don't mean, know. Who, who knows when we say anything, who knows what I've said at any point at any, you know, throughout the course of the year, who the hell knows at this point. Um, but I, I do know we have talked about Jalen Waddle recently. I think in passing, we might've mentioned, um, when we're talking about Tyree Kill, you know, do we need to have like a conversation about yes. Jalen Waddle uh, yep. as like what's gone on this season from a production standpoint? Um, you know, because there just hasn't been a lot of big games from Waddle. Um, there's been so many big games from Tyree Kill, and this offense is so good, but it just feels like, I mean, even just if you want to think about it from a fantasy perspective, he's like a fringe top 20 receiver on the season, and he was certainly not expected to be a top 20 receiver. He was drafted to be much better than that. I think people had right. higher production standpoint or higher production standards from Jalen Waddle. Um, but I think he fits into this ongoing discussion that we've had all year, which is like, how much can we really expect from number two receivers when the number one is like an elite player like this and the entire offense like has to go absolutely ham. And look, this Dolphins offense is very good. Uh, Tyree kills in the MVP discussion. Um, mm-hmm. Raheem Mostert leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. He scored more touchdowns this year than he has in his entire career prior to this combined. So pretty Amazing. good year for him. And him. Um, but like, Unless, again, unless your passing offense is going to go to the moon as a whole, which again, it's a great passing offense, but Miami's not that they, they're not producing those type of numbers from just a pure stats perspective. Like somebody is going to produce under expectations when one guy Tyree kills having that type of season, you know, the type of season where we're talking about 2000 yards and MVP and all that stuff. I think what Sunday did, uh, the result against the Jets is that it's sort of vindicated that like, hey, this is just mostly a product of circumstance for for Jalen Waddle. It's it's mostly just again Tyreek is having one of those seasons, and mm-hmm. it's just really hard for the second receiver in an offense like that, similar to what we've talked about with like Devonte Smith or something like that. And I think yeah. Waddle is a number two receiver. I don't think he is a, a one. Um, you know, I think it's really tough for to say any of these guys are number ones when we haven't had to see them be a number one for an offense just yet. Um, I think he's a really good, uh, one of the best number two receivers in the NFL. Period. Um, but it's it, it, there's a big gap between that and Tyree Kill. So I think without seeing Tyree Kill on the field on Sunday, we saw that Jalen Waddle still can be um, a great, like, productive player, and it's mostly just been a victim of circumstance. A couple of numbers from the week 15 performance here. Waddle owned a 91.2% share of the air yards, according Ooh. to next gen stats. I mean, he wow. was the passing offense, 8.6 air yards per target. He averaged 9.2 yards after the catch per reception against the jets on Sunday. Like, and that's kind of what I think is where the rubber meets the road when we're comparing these two receivers here, because like, Waddle is not the separator against man press coverage that Tyree Kill is. He is not the same contested catch player that Tyree Kill is. But no. But he he has, you know, maybe similar speed, maybe like a couple of ticks down and he's definitely as good, I think, uh with the ball in his hands just different in a different way than Tyree Kill is, which is what we saw um kind of with some of those bigger plays on Sunday. I am surprised to hear you say, though, that Waddle, even after this performance, that you would consider him to be at the tip top of the number twos. Uh, whereas I thought you were going to come out here and just give a full on Mia culpa or something and say, oh, no, Waddle's actually that dude. Um, let me throw a, let, let, look, let me throw a couple names out here for you. And you tell me um, if who is the I, I don't know, I'll throw out some number ones. Um, and tell me if you think that Waddle is in that same class or not. I'm just going to challenge some of your priors here, Matt. That's okay. all I'm doing here. All right. What about Terry McLaurin? The aforementioned Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, Jalen Waddle. Where are we going? I think Terry McLaurin is a better player than Jalen okay. Waddle is. And I've again, because some of this is going to be like I've seen Terry McLaurin operate as a number one receiver and like treated as a one. I don't think sure. you've seen that with with Waddle yet. Okay, so uh, I'll throw this one out. How about Nico Collins? Ah, I mean, 
<laughs> I, I'll I'll give it to Jalen Waddle on that. There one. you go. Yeah. All right. So I mean, in in that way too, it's it's interesting. I think it kind of also puts focus into, or puts uh, Nico Collins's you know role on that offense into a little bit of focus too. What about T Higgins? T Higgins, Jalen Waddle. I think Waddle's a better player than than T Higgins is. Higgins, I have similar feelings about that. Like. Okay, we can say that in a theoretical world, he's he's just as good as other teams as number one receivers. And okay, well, yeah, he's definitely better than the Panthers' number one receiver. He's definitely better than like I don't know <laughs> any yeah some some of these number one receivers in the okay. league. Sure, he's he's better than those guys, but um, haven't seen it. You know, uh, like again, you can theorize it, and even like with what yeah. I do with reception perception, right? Like you're still working on what they're being asked to do and how defenses are treating them in that offense you're not get you you are able to take that data and maybe then apply it to elsewhere which by the way i mean t higgins reception perception very very good but he's not really in like certainly the elite tier of of any metric right, right. um but a very good player uh and i think but i think waddles waddles is more dangerous than t higgins which sure. i'll go with him that way okay i've got two more for you because um the this this is where it gets a little bit tricky in my mind, right? Because I brought up these guys that play outside, right? I, I talk about Terry McLaurin. I talk about Nico Collins. I talk about T Higgins. These guys are outside wide receivers who, in my opinion, I think you need to have um, a great outside X receiver or an outside receiver in general uh, to, to lead your passing attack. All right, let me bring up two names here, two great names. Tell me who would you rather have leading your passing attack? Keenan Allen, not this year's Keenan Allen. I'm talking about Keenan Allen in his prime, or Jalen oh, Waddle in Keenan Allen. Keenan, okay. He's so easy, Keenan Allen. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about like Fair. prime Keenan Allen, yeah. I mean, Keenan Allen, I think, was like an elite receiver at his at his peak. For sure. I totally agree. Uh, but it does twist my brain into a little bit of a pretzel because it's just so, in my opinion, I think it's really hard to have a really successful passing attack uh, running out of the slot, which brings up Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown, Jalen Waddle, where are we going? That is actually really tricky. But I think I'll get something. <laughs> oh, I love I love the face. I love the look. Uh, just the the brain, just working the gears, grinding in the in, in Matt Harmon's brain right now, man. I love it. I think I'll go St. Brown though. Um, just again, it's he doesn't do it in the traditional ways that we think about with number one receivers, but right, he is the gravitational force of that of that Lions offense. Like he is so productive, and it's funny because I think we get into the in the off season and then it's easy to be like, all right, well, you know, okay. Yeah. He's got a lot of stats, but like it's from the slot and you know, whatever, like, does it really matter? And then you just watch like the lions play and you're like, Oh my God, he's so valuable to what yeah, this I team know. does. You totally. know, I totally um, agree. Just, <laughs> where, they would be lost. They would be uh, adrift at sea if they didn't have Amon Ross St. Brown. He's one of these, like, I think guys that are, you almost like just get a better sense of them and respect their games more in season and just like the production and the consistency yeah. uh, is so good when you're actually the games are actually being played that like the theories of okay well speed and and can he win outside and all that stuff right. it's like and by the way I think St. Brown is fine he actually had a higher success rate versus man coverage in 22 than Jalen Waddle did um pretty similar zone coverage success rates just very different and on different routes obviously yeah um but but still yeah I, I think that obviously if you're asking me like who do I like who's gonna make a bigger play obviously I think Jalen Waddle has a higher ceiling to do that but I think yeah. just overall wide receiver um man St. Brown is so good at what he does yeah, there you go. And pairing him also with Jared Goff, too, who has been just brilliant throwing in-breaking routes uh, all throughout his career, I think has been um, a godsend, I think, for the Detroit Lions, for sure. And for both of those guys, too. You know, uh, Jared Goff has certainly benefited with a career revival in Detroit with Amon Ross St. Brown. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown has also benefited with having a quarterback who has just been fantastic throwing in-breaking routes throughout his career um, as well. Interesting brain exercise, though. Um, and it was fun kind of seeing you, uh, kind of, uh, <laughs> try to figure that one out there. That was, man, uh, I, uh, I really think those, those two guys would make a great passing game. Actually, if you had like a St. Brown type and a Jalen Waddle type, cause, oh my um, God. Yeah. By the way, this is an, another thing to, to consider when we're thinking about projecting receivers in the future. But what we have seen from some of these offenses, uh, the Eagles too, it's another example. And, and there's certainly been a similar production disparity between uh, AJ Brown and Devonte Smith um, mm -hmm. at times this season. One thing we've noticed is like 
the guys who get the schemed up opportunities are just the guys that the team thinks is the better receiver. We've seen this dynamic when Cooper Cup wasn't healthy this season. Puka Nakua was getting those schemed up, designed opportunities. Um, And when you look at the the Eagles offense – same thing. They do a lot more like scheming up ways to get A.J. Brown the ball because well, why would you not? And then in addition to that, he can still go out there and dominate man coverage. Um, he can still dominate down the field when you're not designing something for him. Um, and, and same thing is and true in Miami. I mean, the guy who gets the designed looks through and through is used off the line of scrimmage, is used on those big cheat motions. It's Tyree Kill and it's not Jalen Waddle, right. who they actually just have line up as an outside receiver on the line of scrimmage, you know, as an X at time. I mean, they're a funky offense, so it's not like X in the traditional ways, but like a lot yeah. of a lot of traditional X receiver stuff is on the line of scrimmage, you know, not moving around. So that's it's just harder to produce in that role than it is in the Tyree Kill role. That's not taking anything away from Tyree Kill. I'm just saying that like those yeah. opportunities, the more designed looks are different. And then, you know, again, without Tyree Kill last week, uh, according to Fantasy Points data, 22.2% designed target rate for Jalen Waddle over the course of week 15. So um, it's like th- then no Tyree Kill. We just designed targets for Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Hey, let me tell you something, pal. Arthur Smith completely disagrees with you. Scheming up, pl- <laughs> scheming up plays for your best players? Nah, can't do that. That don't make no sense. Why would we do that, Matt? That's You're actually, why, now, why? now I'm, I'm, I'm morbidly <laughs> curious to look up like what is, well, all volume stats in the, in the Falcons offense are kind of, or percentage, like rate stats are, are kind of messy because they're just so, um, low, not pat. Yeah. They're so low. They're not pass heavy, but <laughs> I, I got it. So now I look this up, uh, yeah. according to fantasy points data. Okay. Design target percentage for Drake London, 5.9%. 5.9%. Beautiful. For Kyle Pitts, zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. Okay. Yeah. Johnny yeah. Smith. Mm-hmm. Perfect. 16.1%. Oh my God. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jesus Christ, what are we doing out here? Scotty Miller, I know he doesn't have a lot of targets, but Scotty Miller, (laughs) 16.7% designed target rate. Absolute madness. That that is beautiful. That is absolutely gorgeous stuff. Um, So (laughs) shout out. I mean, shout out to Arthur Smith for that one. Beautiful. All right. Lovely. Um, you know who had a pop-up game here, too, was uh, Chris Godwin there in Tampa Bay. 12 targets, 10 grabs, 155 through the air was his by far his most productive day um, all year long. I, I was so curious about this, man, and, and, uh, and just watching the game, too. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Chris Godwin looks like he's lining up in the slot a lot more this uh, this week. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of sort of, again, this is in the in the wash of all these games. It's like I can't really watch all that. You know what I mean? So, uh, but but I go back and I look at this now and I'm like, man, Chris God was so productive. What the hell happened? Again, we are the alignment Kings here on reception perception, the show. Uh, and so guess what, Matt? 55% of his snaps this year or in this particular game against green Bay was in the slot. 
normal it's first of all i i believe uh, i looked through a bunch but i believe this is the most the highest percentage of snaps that he's played in the slot all year long generally before this game we're talking about a player that plays 30 to 35 percent in the slot this particular year whereas in previous years he was a 65 70 percent slot player now again in this particular game 55 percent snaps in the slot I don't know, man. Like it just—it just seems to. Does it just make sense that he had his most productive game in the one game where he's playing the most in the slot? I don't know. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense because, again, it impacts the ways that he's going to be targeted, uh, the areas of the field that he's going to be targeted, and. Let's also be super clear. Uh, <laughs> the Packers defense is embarrassing. Um, I mean, <laughs> Joe Barry, what are we doing here? Yeah. They're going to stick with Joe Barry the rest of the season, by the way. I mean, the, Matt LaFleur said that. But, like, dude, that defense, we have got to be close to enough already territory with the Packers defense. Um, I mean, they just consistently covered Chris Godwin with linebackers and safeties. And, and you can't know, do not, that. And, and you can't do that. He's too good to, to cover with those players. Um, and, and that's what getting him in the slot does is he's going to get those advantageous matchups where he can beat those guys in man coverage. He can beat corners in man coverage too. But again, you're just giving him more favorable looks, especially Chris Godwin, where he is at this point in his career. Um, I think Chris Godwin was, is, is taking a little bit of a step back ever since that ACL injury. Maybe he works his Correct. way back. Maybe like a Cortland Sutton, right? He took a while to get back into, into full, um, Chris Godwin dominance. I mean, Allen Robinson, he tore his ACL, ACL in 2017. It wasn't until like 19 and 20, he was really dominating again with the Chicago Bears. So it does take some guys like some time to get yeah. all the way back from it. Um, maybe that's the case with Godwin here. Um, <laughs> actually, Chris Godwin's wife was like, on social media saying that Todd Bowles was lying about uh straight up lying about Chris Godwin's like injury in terms of like why they weren't able to get him the ball recently. So maybe some little going on there. I I, I don't know. Uh, th- I thought that was interesting when I saw that, but again, this is a, another point to bring up fantasy points data, the design target stats, because if you just look at like 2021 and 2022, 27% mm-hmm. of Chris Godwin's targets in 2021 were designed targets. 25.2% in 2022 design target rate. This year, it's fallen all the way to 8.3%. Wow. Um, and I think he is a guy... I, look, I don't totally know... Um, and th- they say that like percentage of targets from design plays, like screens and, and stuff like that. I don't know what other things they would bucket under as designed targets, but some of the scheme up stuff that we're talking about here... Um, Godwin can win on real big boy routes too, but I think he's, at, especially right now at this point, he's great. He's at his best, like kind of working underneath and, and breaking tackles after the catch and stuff. 8.3% is just too low for a player like that. He jumps all the way to 15.4% against the Packers in week 15. I think a lot is because of that role and where they lined him up. Yeah. I mean, it just, to me, it just, like, like I said, I, I didn't understand it, right? If there was another player that Tampa Bay had where they were like, man, we got to get this guy in the slot. We got to get him looks there because that's where he could play, you know? But they don't have that guy. So, like, yeah. to me, what what really just what just irritates me when I think about this offense in Tampa Bay and what Todd Bowles and, and the boys are doing out there is just why are we sliding a guy that we know is an all-pro slot receiver? Why are we sliding this guy outside for what reason? If we have a reason, okay, I'd love to see it. But it's not as if they have another receiver where they're like, man, we got to get this guy opportunities because clearly this offense doesn't have that player, right? It's Mike Evans, it's Chris Godwin, and it's Rashad White. And that is it. I mean, yeah. Kate Otten is playing like 95% of the snaps, Matt, and he barely gets any looks in this offense. So that's what that's the part of this this whole this whole situation that confuses the hell out of me. Their third receiver is Trey Palmer, who is a day three draft pick, kind of like a speed guy from uh, Nebraska. And he has actually been their primary slot, and he has on the season, over 14% of his targets are designed targets. Um, 
Meanwhile, he's averaging 0.7 yards per route run. Uh, yards per route run, not a perfect <laughs> stat. I get it. Maybe Trey Palmer is like secretly a superstar or something like that. I don't know. I, I haven't charted him. I didn't have a prospect profile on him. But it does yeah. seem a little weird that a guy that's on a mega contract extension for you, a guy who's been a great player in Chris Godwin, has sort of gotten ignored here. Um I, again, maybe the, the wife stuff, there's something going on from a health perspective, maybe not totally jiving with the coach step. I don't know, but I think I'm with you that Dave Canales, the offense coordinator, has done a great job um, having Baker Mayfield function at a high level in this offense. They've you know, had it gotten a great year out of Mike Evans, and that's, that's tough too, similar to what we just talked about where – Maybe Godwin is – I think Godwin's a really good number two receiver. But For like sure. Mike Evans is playing at an all-pro level. Like yep. he is, He's a future Hall of Famer. You're going mm-hmm. to get left by the wayside a little bit here. But we can find a counterpunch here in the passing game. I think that counterpunch can be Chris Godwin. And by the way, I mean this is a great time for it to happen because the Bucks are probably going to win the damn NFC South and play <laughs> in a playoff game. So if we can get Chris Godwin activated right now, this is a good time of year for it to happen. Yeah, I think I would love to see if Dave Canales and the Tampa Bay coaching staff figures it out. And they basically say, you know what, man, we have been mishandling this whole Chris, Chris Godwin situation. Or maybe Chris Godwin finally spoke up and said, you know what? I need some more snaps out of the slot. That's where I'm more comfortable. That's what I've been doing my entire career. Again, it's not as if he can't play outside, but where he's the most dangerous, mm-hmm. I think, is as a power slot player, a bigger slot yeah. guy, you know, abusing some of these, you know, undersized corners, right? Or if they're trying to put a, a God forbid, try to put a linebacker on him, forget about it. Chris Godwin's going to burn you to death, man. So. I don't know. Maybe there's a conversation happening there. Uh, clearly, you know, some kind of conversation happened over the last couple of weeks because, man, his target share has gone way up uh, over the last two weeks. And and again, from a narrative standpoint, I think I think you kind of sort of expected that. You know, anytime you get somebody's wife or their dad or their brother in the news, you know, something's going to happen from a narrative standpoint. You know what I mean? I also think, by the way, you know, that can be good for the Bucks' run game, which has has turned around of late. You know, there was a oh, yeah. long stretch oh, yeah. of time where Rashad White was getting a lot of opportunity and averaging like league low yards per carry that has right. changed around recently and one thing that chris godwin is great at is like being a tone setter in the run game you know um get, like point. you mentioned the power slot stuff like he is one of those receivers that will do the dirty work will stick his nose in there and and like i mean there are even times where they uh, the 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 bruce arians coached staff would like line him up in the backfield and have him be like a lead block uh, on like duo runs, like real wow, just power man gap yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then at other times they'd do play action and like leak him out on like corner routes from the backfield, literally running through the line of scrimmage. So that's that's one thing when you're a first year offensive coordinator, you're just figuring out your players. Um, you know, sometimes it takes a minute to get a guy that's not like okay. I know how to get Mike Evans activated, <laughs> have him run routes, beat man coverage, and when he's in yep. a 50-50 ball situation, yeah. rip it and rip it, Baker. We don't yep. care. Like That's pretty easy to get that integrated. Now, a guy like Godwin, who maybe you got to go out of your way to, to have him be a slot or some of this stuff, like I'm saying, from the backfield and, and the power slot stuff, maybe now we're seeing Dave Canales, So I think overall has done a pretty good job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he's been a pretty good hire oh, there. Clearly. Um, um, and I think Todd Bowles probably keeps his job if they make the playoffs, right? Like, so I mean, listen, Canales their offense has, I, I mean, don't you feel like their offense has completely outperformed expectations? Well, my expectations were probably too low coming into the year because I am a certified Baker hater, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think that my expectations were too low. So yeah, they've definitely outkicked my expectations. That's for sure. Uh, listen, man, no one was expecting nothing from Mike Evans. No one was expecting nothing from Rashawn yeah. White. And both of these guys have been playing at an extremely high level. Um, the offensive line is just in tatters. I mean, again, this is this goes back to coaching and, and the, the offensive staff and everything. Listen, I, I give no credit to Todd Bowles. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big Todd Bowles guy. Uh, but clearly this offense has uh, outperformed expectations. And by the way, can I just bring up the whole Baker Mayfield thing? I feel like Baker Mayfield, his very brief stint with the Rams, 
I feel like transformed his mindset or something along those lines. Do you remember that where, where he's flying in on the plane, learning the playbook on the plane over, he gets the start and has that surprising win. Right. And he was just hyped beyond belief. Yeah. It felt like right there, they injected him with a little bit of life where, you know, his, his cause his time with Cleveland was just so toxic for him, you know, um, where when he got to the Rams, it, it felt like all of a sudden he found his passion for the game again. And he carried that with him into the off season. And when he got to Tampa Bay, he was a rejuvenating force as well. He's really given them injected them with a lot of life and energy. Um, and I think that's the part of his game. Again, not captured in X's and O's, not captured in the stats, not captured in any of that, but just his overall spirit for the game, I think has been a really, really big boon for Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, by the way, here, he didn't even mention his brief time with the Carolina Panthers where he actually started that year with the LA Rams. Oh my God. You know, he's under Matt rule. And I can't blame anybody for losing their passion for the game or having, you know, lowered a little <laughs> by suffering through the care, the Matt rule, Carolina Panthers era. Right, right. And he right. was, so, dude, yeah. he was, he was awful. Oh, awful no, he was terrible. With the Panthers. So, um, I do think some guys, like, yeah, you know, you're a former number one overall pick and like your career is on the brink like that. I think it can be like a, and, and I think he still has like that prove it mindset here in Tampa Bay because he's only, I think, only on a one year deal. Um, I think you're you know, right. He, he's playing for a contract. Uh, he's playing for the rest of his career. So this is a big prove it moment for him. And I think that maybe, again, a guy who was drafted first overall, like, kind of taken to that challenge here. Yeah. Uh, again, I've just loved his spirit and attitude and stuff like that. And and again, it just, it's so random, that little random stint that he had with the Rams, you know, I, I feel like, and again, I've got no evidence or anything to, to back that up, but I just feel like that really rein, reinvigorated uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, and, and I think that's been a big benefit for uh, the Tampa Bay offense in general. Anyways, um, it's been, Tampa Bay has been surprisingly fun to watch. I'm not going to lie. Um, they really have been, whether it's Rashad White or Mike Evans and now Chris Godwin too, making some plays. It's been, it's actually been, you know, uh, semi fun to watch these guys play football, which is again, not what we were expecting coming into 2023. Um, anyways, that's the show, man. Uh, we are down to it here, huh? I mean, it's kind of unbelievable. Uh, it feels like the time has flown by and also gone slow. I don't know if that makes yeah. any sense. <laughs> you know? That sounds like Each an NFL season. It does. Every, every week is a grind, but then when it's all done, you're like, wow, that went by really quick. Anyways, uh, we got to get on out of here. Uh, for Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. Peace. <laughs>